problems in life. You're going to have problems on your job. You're going to even have problems in your marriage with your family. Can I get an amen to that? You're going to have problems in life. It's not the problems that are going to dictate whether or not you have a good or a bad life. It's going to be how you handle them. So I have seen people in the church have small issues. Now, I'm not talking about big sins, little sin, because all sin is sin to God. I'm talking about small issues to where if you just sat down, talked to them, you could resolve it. You, sitting here today, you don't even need a pastor. You could resolve it in 30 seconds. Yet I've seen those small issues blow up their Christianity because they lacked the problem-solving ability that God gave us. They didn't follow his word. And then listen, I've seen people go through affairs. I'm talking about cheating, real-life issues. Even some people having to go to jail and then come back, and they have still kept their faith. They have still gone to church, even despite their wickedness, because they were willing to go through the process. So I am not here to be fooled by y'all going, I only got small issues, I don't have big issues. If your small issues are not handled right, you're going to blow up your relationship with God. You'll blow up this church if we let you. So listen to how Jesus talked about handing problems in the church because this is another part of the Bible that some of y'all might wish I could skip over, but because we're going verse by verse, we're going to read it. Amen? If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's from Deuteronomy. That's the Old Testament. That's how we establish things. Verse 17, if they refuse, they still refuse to listen, tell it to the what? The church, thank you, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Are you going to go to a pagan's Bible study? No, so you don't go to these people's Bible study. Are you going to go hang out with somebody that's a tax collector that's going to cheat you? No, you are going to disassociate with them. Another word is you're going to disfellowship. You're going to stop hanging out with them. Now let's go to the next verse, 21. He now says to them, he says, Lord, uh, excuse me, verse 18, you were already there. That was my fault, brother. You got it. Truly I tell you, some may say, truly he tells us. Thank you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, on earth will be loosed in heaven. Where did we hear that before? That is the authority that Peter got when he confessed Jesus as the Christ. The Roman Catholics now try to assert Peter is a pope and only he has the keys. I reminded you during that sermon, and I'll remind you again, that we get the keys too. We get to bind and loose. Why did Peter get them first? Why is he technically the first member of the church? Because he confesses who Jesus is. So go slow. Don't miss this. Jesus is in a time and place with his disciples. He is revealing the new covenant. He asked them, who do y'all say that I am? He said, Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he said, now I'm going to call you Petros. I'm going to change your name. And then I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. And then the Catholics stop right there and go, see, there's the Pope. We need it. No, they don't just keep reading because now the church is established on the confession confession of Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, and now all of us get to bind and loose. Do you guys get it? He said, truly I tell you. Somebody say, that's the truth. That's the truth. So what are you binding? 
You're binding the work of the devil. The Bible talks about he's a strong man and he steals from us. You are to bind him in Jesus' name and he'll be bound against your life. You can't come and take things from you. And then what are we loosing? We're loosing the good things. Like the Bible says, open up the windows of heaven. You know, given it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and he'll pour us out a blessing you don't have to receive coming from the windows of heaven. And the idea is you're binding the bad, loosing the good. Now listen to verse 19 again. This, is, this means he's repeating what he just told us in verse 18. He says, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Can I hear an amen to that? See, that is the beauty of the church. Let's just stick where we're at, brother, please. The beauty of the church is, is that now we are going to be the authority of God on the earth. In his name, we're going to bind and loose. And in his name, we are going to pray and gather. And when we do, like we are here today, his presence is here. Now, when we go back up, let's go back up to those original verses today, verse 15. We see that the church settles the church's problems. We are to settle our problems. There is a four-step solution. Here it is quickly in review if you're taking notes. Number one, go to the person in private. Number two, bring along somebody with you. Number three, gather the church. If they don't listen, number four, kick them out and stop hanging out with them. This is the Bible. That's why when I teach you things like not everybody's welcome, this is what I mean by this. If you are wanting to cause problems in the church, you're not welcome. Is everybody welcome in their culture? Absolutely. Is everybody welcome in their differences of opinion with us? Absolutely. You don't have to agree to walk through these doors. But you are not welcome if you cause issues and do not settle them. We will put you out the church. Do you see the clarification? Was everybody welcome in Jesus' church? No, because people were put out of Jesus' church. See, the qualification is everybody, everybody means everybody. And I don't believe everybody is every. You're not always welcome. What, what does it mean when I say welcome to my church, come to my church? What, what I mean is you're not going to cause problems. I mean, those of you who own businesses, don't you mean it that way? If you say everybody is welcome, what are you meaning really? You're saying a customer who's not going to cause problems is welcome. Do you really mean everybody? No, do you mean a terrorist is welcome? Is a child molester able to use your bathroom? No, I mean, uh, and, and molest a child there. No, so we need to be careful in the church about making these statements that make us more Christian than Christ. Sometimes we want to be nicer than Jesus. So we have to be very careful. When I say that you're welcome or that everyone is welcome, if I were to slip into say that, what my understanding would be, everyone hyphen who's not going to cause trouble is welcome. So if you're not going to cause trouble, you're welcome. If you're not going to sin against us, you are welcome. And sin covers a lot of ground. You're not welcome if you want to shoot us up here. You're not welcome if you want to hurt our children here. You're not welcome if you're going to want to hurt us by stealing. You see, if you want to sin against us, you're not welcome to stay. So that's clear. Come on. Somebody say, that's clear. 
So now the rest of us, you know, you want to come, you're visiting. Maybe you're still learning about Christianity, you know, and, and you have questions. Fine, you are welcome. Do not feel like we're kicking you out. That's not how it works. What's very specific here is if you sin against somebody and don't want to deal with it. I've actually, everybody get this, I've actually had non-believers attending the church, learning about us, sin, cuss somebody out, and then willing to repent, say, I'm sorry, shouldn't have did it. I know the rules better. You all don't cuss each other out here. I shouldn't do that. And stay in the church, work through it, and get saved. And I've seen Christians get on each other's nerves, not work it out, and leave divided. Because you can be in the world and still understand you got to make stuff right. Like on your job, you're going to have a protocol to handle your problems. Your boss is not going to say anything goes on the job, right? Like is everybody welcome on your job in the big sense of everybody? No. Only those who are welcome on the job are those going to do their job and not get in the way of those who are there, right? Not get in the way of the employees or the customers. And so this idea that the church is a free-for-all does not come from the Bible. So I want to show you another scripture, and then we'll get back to this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, because as we always teach here, Paul takes the general uh, commands of Jesus and then applies them more specifically. So 1 Corinthians chapter 5, starting, let's go to verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Look at what it says. I wrote you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. Then you must need get out the world. Let's put it in NIV, please. That way everybody can follow along. It'll be a lot more easier. Yeah, there you go. I wrote to you in my letter not to keep company with sexually immoral people. How many knew what fornicators was? Some of you didn't. That's okay. That's why we got the NIV. Yet I did not mean the sexual immoral people of this world or the covetous or extortioners or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to get out of the world. So notice the difference. He's not saying you can't accompany with sinners. In another passage, it says not to have close relationships or to marry a sinner. But in this sense, it's not that you have to stop associating with all sinners in the whole world because then otherwise, how are you going to have a job? How are you going to do government? How are you going to pay your bills? You would have to live on the commune like the, like the Amish do, okay? Does anybody want to live on a commune, on a commune like the Amish? I used to grow up around the Amish. They don't believe in any of the, the stuff we use. They don't believe in deodorant. They don't believe in electricity. Uh, they might use a little bit of soap, but I'm telling you, they're around the animals a lot. It's smelly. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, that's what they're, uh, you know, you can do if you want to try to leave the world. But they still would come to the Myers and to the, you know, the Walmart when they needed stuff. So he's saying here, I'm not telling you you have to stop hanging around every kind of sin or otherwise you'd have to leave the world. He said, but I have written to you not to keep company with any man who is called a what? Anyone who is called a what? A brother. Y'all sleeping today. Anyone who is called a brother, thank you, who now is what? Sexually immoral, covetous, idolater, reveler, drunkard, or an extortioner. Do not even eat with such a person. Why is there a difference between you hanging out with your sinner boss on a break and then you not fellowshipping with someone who left the church wrong? What is the difference? The difference is one knows they are a sinner and is not trying to be something else. The one who left the church wrong or is doing things wrong with God is now still thinking they're right. 
And the idea of thinking you're right when you're wrong is a dangerous place to be. And so we as Christians are not to be around people who are thinking they're right when they're really wrong. So I can hang out with my sinful neighbor and go meet him at the park and hang out with him because he's not trying to tell me he's a Bible-believing Christian. He knows he's not right, so I'm reaching out to him. I'm doing things for him. But if, if somebody were to leave my church, I'm not going out and hanging out with them. Why? They leave the wrong way. i got to always preface wrong way. You can leave if you don't like this church, obviously. But we're going to talk about discipline in just a minute. But if you leave the wrong way, I'm not even supposed to hang out with you, even though you may still be claiming to be a Christian and my neighbor doesn't. The reason is because you're doing these things. And, and notice that here in the list of things you have, you know, covetous, idolater, and all of those things kind of lumped together. So there is no big sin, little sin here. If you're just living a life of a covetous person, you'll get treated like you're cheating on your wife. Or if you're a drunkard, I'm going to stop hanging out with you just like I would if you started worshiping Buddha or something and calling yourself a Christian. Keep going, verse 12. For what, I, what have I to do with judging those who are outside? He says, do you not judge those who are inside? And by the way, this is not the NIV. This is another translation called the MEV. It says, but God judges those who are what? Outside. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Does everybody get how it flows here now? He says, I'm not telling you to leave the world and stop hanging out with sinners. I am telling you to stop hanging out with people who call themselves a Christian but live like sinners. Go back to the passage, please. When we go back to this passage, we see the way to resolve our issues and our sins. It is very simple. We as a church abide by this. I want to share with you in the next few moments just how we do it. And you are welcome to find another church that does it a different way. But this is how we will do it here. And those of you who have joined our discipleship, you've kind of already signed the paper that says you will handle problems the same way. Because we don't want you to be taken off guard. So if you haven't joined our discipleship, we're just letting you in on what all those who are in our 101 or 201 are already doing. Here it is, very simple. If you are in a relationship or have someone in your life in this church, someone you know, and you feel they have sinned against you, go to them and share what you feel they did wrong. Your first step is not to go talk to somebody else. Even if you come to us as elders and deacons, we're going to say, have you talked to them? Because I don't know about you, but I've heard some crazy one-sided stories before. Okay, I've hung around some people where I've heard them talk about baby daddy and baby mama and all of the how crazy they all are. But what's funny is when I meet some of them, I'm like, they normal, you the crazy one. I actually like baby daddy more than I like you. Because the way you lied on them, the way you talked about them, and it's the same thing in the church. A fool, the Bible says in Proverbs, only listens to one side of the story. So if you ever come to us, we're always going to refer you back to the person. Handle it with them first. Now, I have to give this caveat. It's always important to do this in a place like this in a church, especially with children here. We are never asking you to handle the problem you might have with an abuser by yourself. So if you are ever abused verbally, physically, sexually, you come to us immediately as a church. No matter what age you are, whether you're married, it's your husband, your mom, your dad, whatever's going on, we will help you. I am not talking about you working out issues with your abuser. We're talking about in the church, you and someone else does not get along. Go to them first and try to settle it. And if you both came together with the idea of, I could be wrong, 
but I'm willing to listen to your son. I could be wrong, but I'm still willing. And, I, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a know-it-all. I don't know everything, but I'm willing to listen. But if I'm right, I'm not going to be mean to you either and make you feel bad and rub it in your face. But I could be wrong. You could be wrong. Let's see. Let's work it out. I guarantee you, you guys will solve most of your problems in that first step. When I first got married to my wife and we would have our issues and our disagreements, it was so hard for me to say I was sorry. Because I felt like I was almost on the Dr. Phil show or the Steve Harvey show, that if I were to admit I was wrong, the moment I would say, honey, you were right, I was wrong, everybody would just start laughing at me. I felt like being wrong meant I was wrong. Like I am a bad person. I didn't know how to separate my actions from my identity. That I could actually be a good person. That was wrong at times. So I always felt that I had to defend who I was based on an argument or an action. And if I would ever let it out, just let it out, I was wrong. Then the whole world would just look at me and point their finger and laugh. Have you ever felt that way about being wrong? You know what God told me in our marriage? You know what God told me? God said, no one's looking. And the person you love the most is on the other side of the discussion. What do you have to lose? Even if you were wrong and she was right, you learn something from somebody you love. Now, I know not everybody's going to come into a situation helping and loving and all of that. Sometimes it can go from bad to worse. But I just want to ask you, whenever you find yourself in that situation, and it's between you and that person, that you would let down your guard, be humble, and simply say to yourself, no one is taking points or keeping score. There is no audience here. It is literally between me and this person. And if the worst comes out, I'm wrong. I've learned because I'm not wrong as a person, though I make a wrong decision. I'm still a Christian. I still love God. I can grow through this situation. As I've said to you before, most situations, if they came that humble, it would be solved. But sometimes it's not solved. And then at this point, the Bible says, take along somebody else. In our church now, we ask you to bring along an elder or a deacon. They're easy to find on our website. You can also go to the Facebook page and ask someone there by, uh, you know, emailing the page, their message on the Facebook or info at mpichurch.org. And you can say, I'm requesting a deacon. I'm requesting an elder. We like to keep it within the same gender, if all possible. And can they meet with me and this person? And when they meet with you, listen, I I am never going to assume our elder or deacon is going to float in there on the wings of an angel and be right every single time. But I would ask that if you have asked our elder or deacon to come, that you would grant them the ability to do their best. To not already be so defensive, you're pointing your finger at them, you're making it a situation that it didn't have to be. If you realize you couldn't settle it with the other person, and now you need an elder or deacon, at least respect them honor them, take what they have to say. But you know what's beautiful about this is the Bible says that if that doesn't work, you then can tell it to the church in the third step. And for us, the third step, instead of having a Judge Judy-like courtroom every Sunday where we judge between you all, is then the elders, plural, deacons, plural, show up now so that we can settle it together. And most of the time, when it gets to that level, I'm in that meeting. And so let me just let you know, in that meeting, I'm willing to know, is my deacon or elder wrong that came as a witness? But also, I'm always skeptical, and I'll tell you why. In almost 20 years of ministry, I have never seen someone go from the point of the first step to the second step to the third step in a church that I've pastored where it worked well for them. 
Generally, when I see the person say, I'm not listening to you, the witness comes. I'm not listening to you. And now we got the church there. Generally, it's either they are in sin and they're not willing to admit it, or they stink of pride and don't know how to humble themselves. I wish I could tell you that some of those meetings with the church are like, you know, watching a theological debate and the Bibles are laid out and there's notes everywhere. It is never, never like that. As a matter of fact, some of you wish you were in those meetings. I wish I could be out of those meetings. Some of you want to be a little, little nosy Ned and stick your nose in there. I wish I wasn't in those meetings. There's one part of pastoring that I don't like, and that's being in these kinds of meetings. You see the worst side of Christians. And the times that I've said, that I've seen it go to the church, it's never, everybody listen to me, pastoring over 20 years, I've earned these gray hairs, so listen to me by God's grace. It has never been over doctrine. Never. Number two, it has never been over the character of our leaders. In other words, generally, when the person is brought in as our church, as a witness in that second step, the pastor or the elder or the person that is there has nothing to do with the situation. And so now if they don't like what that person is saying, it doesn't speak against their character, uh, the elder or deacon's characters. It, it speaks against the person causing the problem's character. But like I said, I'm open to being wrong and to get another situation. You may be the unique one. But here's what we do in that situation, the third one. You, know what, you want to know what we do in our church? We let the person bring whoever they want. They could bring a lawyer. They could bring their mom, their dad, their uncle. They could bring Steve Harvey. They could put it on the news. I would go live at that point because generally they've already gossiped. They've already built a case. And so at that point, I don't care if we go live. I don't insist on it, but I'm just saying I have nothing to hide at that point. Bring whoever you want. Call whatever witnesses you want. Bring your high school teacher. Bring your elementary school teacher. Bring the milkman. Bring them all here, and we'll settle it. But generally, what do I see at this point? That they have sin, and they're not willing to deal with it. Why? Because the pastors in our church, that they themselves have sin and issues, nine times out of ten, they get dealt with without your problem bringing it out. Does everybody get what I just said there? If you now want to teach the teacher because you're in a problem, boy, isn't that convenient? You see, why weren't you teaching the teacher today on a good day when you didn't have a problem? Why was your issue with our leader tied to your issue before you had the leader present? Does everybody get that? Messy people cause messes. So generally, this is what I see. Generally, this is what I see. People sin against each other. They come humble. They work it out. If at the most one of our leaders had to get involved in step two, it's generally solved. The ones that go to step three generally never end well. I very rarely have, very seldom, rarely as well as a word, but I'm trying to say very seldom, have seen it when we're gathered together as elders and deacons. You got me, Ricky, a few other brothers and some sisters, and we're listening to the case. At that point, I'm telling you, my friends, I wish I could bring you into those meetings. It is as clear as good versus evil as at that point. I mean, I'm telling you, I have never been in a meeting like that where even just one of the elders, one of the deacons said, we could be wrong. This whole thing could be messed up. No, it's generally always, what? You mean we're arguing about this? 
We're talking about, brother, you know, I've, I've seen them in the meetings. Some of our newer elders or newer deacons are like pleading with the person, brother, sister, it's in the scripture. It says right here, what are you missing? But you see, a lot of times what happens, more than going to the third step, is people leave after the second step. Go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Now, I want you to ask yourself this question. Can you leave the church at any time, Metro Praise International? Yes, you can. Come on, can I hear an amen to that? Has anybody tied you to this church? No. Brother, you have to scroll all the way over there to the left. You're, you're in the middle of the program. Yep, keep going all the way to the left. You can leave whenever you want. There you go. Pick that one. Thank you, sir. You can leave whenever you want. When would be the worst time to leave? 1317, please. The worst time to leave would be when you're in discipline. You see, when you're in discipline and you decide to leave, what are you doing at that moment? You are now saying in rebellion, I don't trust the church I've been tithing to. I don't trust the church that baptized me. I don't trust the church that spoke to me when I was going through my hardest times because now it's not going my way. I'm out of here. The Bible says that's the worst thing you can do is to quit when something's not going your way. Look at Hebrews 13 verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Now click on the King James. It's the one with the little crown there. Keep going to the right, please. It's purple and has a crown. Thank you. Look at what the King James Version said. Now if you click on it, you just got to click on it. Thank you. Look at what it says. It says obey them. See, that's the King James way of saying it. But in the other one, it says, like, submit to their authority. Obey them. Look at that. Uh, and have confidence in those that rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they keep watch for your souls. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm in an argument and someone is not willing to humble themselves, I can realize at that point the issue is not even the issue anymore. It's the problem. I'm talking to a prideful person. That's the main issue. Have you ever been in those kind of arguments? It's like we were arguing about, let's say on your job, you were arguing about whether or not you were going to use this company or that company to source out this thing you guys were going to do in negotiations or whatever. But because you've disagreed with that person, now they're attacking your character. Now your coworker is saying, well, you don't come on time. You're not good enough. You're not. You know, what they did was totally get off the trail of handling the issue and has now made it personal. Have you been in conversations like that? Have you tried to do it in your family? You're handling a situation, then they bring up your past, they bring up all of that, and they think it's relevant. Man, it's not relevant at that time. Here, here's what I say. If you had a problem, like, like let's say I was in that co-worker situation, if you had a problem with the way I was coming and going from my job, then deal with it that day. Don't deal with it now while we're arguing about who we're sourcing a company out to, you know? You know, in a, in a marriage, you know, with my wife, it's like if she didn't like the way I took out the garbage last week, don't bring it out now while we're having an argument. The argument was started by this issue, which had nothing to do with that issue. Does everybody get that? And it's the same thing in the church. If in the moment of our disagreement, I'm not a good pastor anymore, what does that say about you? Well, you ain't a good pastor. Did I change? 
Can you show me where my doctrines change? Can you show us as a church where our practices change? As a matter of fact, we are one of the most thorough churches you will find. Not only do we document everything in our discipleship and writing and on our website, but we also have a handbook of our protocols that you can request at any time. Those who go into our 201 phase, they begin to become familiar with that. I know mega churches that are mega messes because they don't even do what we're doing here. One of the reasons why we're smaller but still growing healthy is because we don't let the mess go on. We deal with it. Please go back to the Matthew passage. Did Jesus give us a way to handle problems, saints? Yes or no? Yes. So in our experience, do people handle it and then uh, find answers and solutions? Absolutely. When you work it, it works for you. But where have we found where it doesn't work, where they don't work the system? So let's take, for example, you're supposed to meet with your brother or sister, but you don't. You go put it on Facebook. You disconnect from them. You start being shady. What have you now done? You have now allowed time for bitterness to come in your heart. That's why it's harder for you to be reconciled. The Bible says don't even let the sun go down on your anger. Reconcile it that day. Reconcile it that day if it is in your power to do so. And if they don't want to listen to you, then call along one of our leaders. And those are joyful meetings most of the time because when our leaders come into them, they're saying, man, thank you for involving us. We're happy to be here. What can we do? I hear these meetings end well all the time. And then rarely, if it needs to go to the next stage, and let me just say this, now on a good day with all of you here at church, smiling, you know, everybody's doing good, nobody hates us. Just in any situation you might be in where it involves four or five elders looking around at you and they're all agreeing on something and you know they have not changed their character and you know they have not changed your doctrine and you find yourself in that third meeting, would you please just humble yourself, say a little prayer, Lord Jesus, help me to hear what they are saying. Because I'm not saying we can't be wrong. We can be wrong locally in this church, but God's word can never be wrong. And I can just tell you right now, I come to those meetings open all the time for something to be exposed. We've had people in our leadership do bad things. I'm telling you, it's happened. And I have never covered it up. We don't make excuses for them. You'll see people coming out of our elders and deaconship back into our first phases of discipleship. Those of you who have been here know that. I'm telling you, I'm coming there with the fear of God. So just in case you ever find yourself there and an elder says, this is what I believe God is saying. And then another elder, this is what I believe God is saying. And then another, this is what I believe God is saying, would you have just enough humility to go, it could be me this time. I, I could be wrong this time. Doesn't mean we always get it right as a church. No, but through the filtering system, God is going to keep us from error in the most possible way. I believe that when humble hearts do this, we are as about as free from error as we can ever be. Because I, I just don't know how else to say it. Why would Jesus give it to us if it could be corrupted? Now, some of you might think of churches where you've been and where all the elders were corrupted. Well, then why did you join a church like that? Now, you might say, well, I didn't know they were like that when I joined them. And then eventually I did find out and I left. That's awesome. And that's why even in our church when we come to the third meeting, if someone wants to bring a pastor from another church to think that they can plead their case, we love for them to do that. In nine times out of ten, they never want to do that because they know most pastors aren't going to see what they're saying because it's crazy. 
Now, some of you may want to know specific situations, and I wish I had time to put some meat on the bones, but let me just give you two of the most popular. So let's say you think somebody has talked bad about you in the church. You just, you hear it, and you're like, man, I said this to so-and-so, but now this other person knows that's pretty much impossible unless so-and-so told them. That's one of the biggest things we have in the church for Matthew 18. What are you supposed to do? Go to that person first, right? You go to them first with a humble heart going, I could be wrong. Maybe this person eavesdropped. Maybe they felt like they knew something, but they didn't. Now they act like they do, whatever. But I'm going to go to this person first and just ask them, did you tell my business? Did you tell my business? Now, if they say to you, no, I didn't, then you have the right to ask them, why does so-and-so know? Why does so-and-so know my business? And if they say back to you, I don't know why so-and-so knows your business. I had nothing to do with it. If you're not satisfied with that answer, you can get one of our elders or deacons, and they will bring that person that you think knows your business with the other person you told your business to and settle it. And if that person turns out to be lying, that elder or deacon will rebuke them and say, hey, we caught you lying here. But if they say uh, in that meeting, the person that you thought knew your business says, no, they did not tell me, what should you do at that point? Just drop it and just go, okay, somehow you figured this out. How did you figure it out? Well, I figured it out because the way you talked one day and then I saw this. And so we put it on them. Maybe they were being nosy. You get what I'm saying? But we let off this person off the hook. Now, let's just go back to step one and say the person says to you at step one, yeah, I did say it. What should you say to them? Repent. What's wrong with you? Why are you telling my business to everybody, right? And what should they do in that situation? They should repent to you. Now, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, nine times out of ten people around these here parts will do that. I'm just being honest. Most of the time, if it was their fault and you called them out on it, they might be a little embarrassed, but generally it works. But if it doesn't, what do you do? You call that other person in, and you call that elder and deacon in, and they go, hey, uh, they told us you did tell their business. You did, right? Well, why don't you think you're supposed to repent? Well, you know, because I was just doing it like this and doing it like that. No, no, no. We agree with this person that you do need to repent. They should at that point say they're sorry, okay? Now, let's just say the worst-case scenario happens. This gossiping person doesn't want to repent. Now we get to this last phase, and I'm telling you, they're probably going to leave at this point, go, I'm out of this church, whatever. You know, they're going to pull that card. Even though they're supposed to obey, submit to their authority, we've done nothing to violate our relationship with them. Does everybody get that? All they did was get caught gossiping. Now we're not their church. It had nothing to do with, like, Joe preached the false doctrine of this or I found out in a protocol this. No, it was you got called out gossiping. Now we are putting a stop to it, and you're saying, I'm out. I'm back to the church down the road, okay? But let's say they go to that last meeting. What are we going to do as the elders? We're going to teach them about gossip. We're going to show them that gossiping is a sin, slandering is a sin. We're going to warn them against it. And just for whatever God-forsaken reason, if they go, well, I want to keep gossiping, we're going to say, sayonara, adios, you're done. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. This is not, we're going to be very clear with them, this is not a church for you. You are not welcome here because you have sinned against somebody. You're not willing to repent and take ownership of it after multiple meetings and scriptures, and that is now our duty is to put you out. 
Okay, now let's go to another most popular one. Another most popular one that's outside of people talking about each other or not getting along is when people begin to get offended on the down low with each other. So I don't like the way they talk to me. I don't like what they said about uh, this such and such a thing. I think they were throwing shade at me, you know. And so this offense begins to build up, and two people who are supposed to love Jesus in the church are now at odds with each other. Now just notice this, notice this, that the one who's been causing the issues is generally not the one calling the meeting. It's the one that's now offended with the one with all the issues. And so they'll come and be like, I don't like the way this person talks to me. I don't like the way they did this. So everybody track with me here. We generally say to that person, have you gone to them and told them, I don't like what you said? I don't agree with what you said. And what do you hear them say? No, 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 I'm not going to waste my time with that person. I know how they are. I've met people like them before. Do you see how messy that gets? They're already in this world of offense that they think this person has done to them, and yet they have never talked to this person about it one time. That's why Jesus said you got to go to that person. Now, let's say they go to that person. What generally is what happens? Come on, guys. Generally, what happens is the person goes, man, I didn't mean it like that. I wasn't throwing shade at you like that. Like, for example, I put that thing on Facebook about me um, making fun of vegans because my sister's a vegan. I didn't know you were a vegan. You know, it comes down to, like, this confusion, like this offended person was building up this thing in their mind that this mess was happening over here. And this person over here didn't even mean it. Most of the time. I'm just telling you, I've been around for a while most of the time. But let's say, let's say that they, they actually go, yeah, man, I'm, I meant some of that stuff. What should you both work out in that point? One, one, the person who's been being thrown shade at should get apology from them. Be like, well, look, man, if you really felt that way about me, why didn't you just come to me? Why were you throwing the shade? Why were you doing incognito? Why were you sometimes saying it around other people but not naming my name so you could still look cool, you know, and stay out of gossip, quote, unquote, but you knew it was about me? You know, like that, that should be addressed. That should be addressed. And the person at that point, I'm just being real, most of the time is caught, they're honest. They're like, okay, you're right. I wouldn't want somebody doing that to me. I shouldn't have did that to you. I'll talk to you next time. You know, maybe it has to do with the way they raise their kids or something. I'll come to you or mind my own business. But let's say they don't. Let's say they just go, you know what? That's just the way I am. You got to deal with it. What are you going to do now? You're going to bring an elder or a deacon, and we're going to say, hey, they have told us you have been doing this stuff. You're throwing shade. You, you're, you know, you, uh, you talking about them when they're not around incognito. You're making them look bad in a way that you're trying to be slick so you don't get caught. We want you to stop this. You, you said you did it, but you're not willing to repent. You say that's just the way you are. This person should take it. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you should help each other. You should edify each other. You should build each other up. You should think the most of each other. You're not handling it right now. If they refuse to do that, what are we going to do? We're going to bring them into that last meeting, and we're going to say scripture, 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 example, example. And we're going to say, are you going to stop causing issues? You are messy. And if they don't, we're going to ask them to roll out. But like I said, when do most of the time it gets fixed in step one or two? 
I have hardly ever seen these people make it ever to step three, and those are our most popular situations. Maybe just one last example here of what a step three generally is. What a step three generally is is somebody that's divisive against the church and now either wants to take people with them or go do something else with somebody that they met here. And that's where we say, hey, you're free to leave. Like, you, like you were free to leave at any time, but you weren't free to take somebody here with you based on a story you thought you needed to tell them. So now we want that story you telling them to be told in front of us with us present. And that's where we see them being chickens and afraid, not willing to do that. I'm just being honest. When people want to split off churches and all that, and I've only done that one time, one third-level meeting since I've been in Chicago, maybe two, but the one third-level meeting that I had, the person had already left the church, had already gossiped about us, and I finally caught him by the neck of this pastor. I said, I know that pastor. I'm going to bring that pastor here with you. And when they came, the pastor was humble, but then he didn't want to do anything about it. He was, just, he was my friend. He was like, well, I know he said this. I'll make him say he's sorry. So the dude said he was sorry. He said, but let him just go now. We just go about our business. I said, listen, he was in our Bible college. He ought to come back to the church, finish the Bible college, and show people you don't treat a church like that. And the pastor said, I don't believe in that. Just just let him go. So I said, cool, I'll just let him go. Now the pastor's not even serving God or in ministry. You see, people are whack with handling issues. So now I barely ever chase a person down in the church, but that's just the one that came to mind, this divisive person. We finally got him here with the pastor, and then we tried to work it out with them. But the pastor was so, like, passive, you know what I'm saying? It was like, oh, it's not really my problem. I'll just have him say sorry. And we did forgive him. It really had nothing to do with forgiveness at that point. We just wanted the young man to make it right, cause all the mess that he caused, you know, all the things that he did. But he didn't want to do it, so we let him go, and we just went on from there. I can't think of another third-level meeting. Maybe my wife will remind me of one, and I'll talk about it tonight with her and all the fun we've had. But like I've said, some of y'all want to be in these meetings. I don't want to be in these meetings. So let me just end with this. Uh, Adam and Van, would you come, please? If you are not involved in the situation, why don't you do what I've always wanted to do? If you're not involved, listen to me. In this situation, if somebody comes to you, do what I've always wanted to do and tell them, that's none of my business. <laughs> that ain't my business. Thank you, Jesus. That's not my business. Y'all go talk about that over there because I'm telling you, you have no reason to get involved in their business. Take out abuse. Everybody get that? I'm talking about abuse. And, and abuse to me would even include if somebody from the church was like hitting on your wife or something, okay? So anything that has to do with like abusing authority or abusing you or touching you in places you shouldn't be touched, just put that in a whole nother category. Blow that up, okay? Trust me, I'll be on your side. I'll call the popo. We'll do whatever we got to do, okay? But back to this normal kind of situation here. I am telling you, they come to you and say, oh, man, this and this and this and this. Just look right back at them and say, have you talked to the person? Have you followed Matthew chapter 18? And if they go, no, you know, that church is like this and I don't trust those people. Just say, did you trust them when they baptized you? Did you trust them when you were given your tithes and offerings? I mean, what has changed? And if they can't name anything that has changed, over the doctrine, over the character, just the fact that they don't want to follow the steps, that doesn't give them the permission to not follow the steps. Just because you don't feel like it, send them back to the person. And if they come to you and go, well, I tried to work it out and it didn't work, then say, did you get an elder or a deacon? Because I know Metro Praise International is different. How many know we're different? 
I'm not saying we're the only ones. I mean, y'all, amen in that. How many know we're different? I mean, we could almost be weird in a sense, right? We're almost so different, we're weird. Like, yes, we're different. You got to amen to that. You know, if, you know, you should teach people how to be here. Because if they go, well, I tried and it didn't work out in churches like this, be like, no, 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 no. That might have been the church you came from, but not here. You can get an elder or deacon in contact with you here. They'll love to show up and mediate that. Be a part of the solution. And let's just say, God forbid, it only happens so often that we have to disfellowship somebody. Most of the time, like I said, because we, we barely ever get to the third phase, most of the time it's because they drop out in the middle of the discipline and they won't show up and tell their story in front of us, but they're putting it all over Facebook and all over everything. And then you'll get a notice from somebody in your life group. It's a, if, you know, if it's affecting you in that life group, somebody will be like, hey, we're asking people from MPI to stop fellowshipping with so-and-so. At that point, you are more than welcome to ask our life group leader all the questions you want. We'll even disclose to you their disciplinary letters. I'm telling you, because we don't want you to think we're just like a cult, be like, don't talk to so-and-so. No, we'll actually show you the letter we gave them that now they're refusing to stand account for. But listen, if they are that person now, here's what I would want you to do. Trust us as a church and don't fellowship with them. Because why would you let somebody change the way you feel about this place? I mean, really, I'm just being honest with you. It's not like they're saying, you know, Joe is now teaching this, or now the children's pastor is touching our children. No, it has nothing to do with that. Yet they're so angry. They're so upset. And it's like all they have to do is come stand before the people they're so mad at. And they won't do it. Dude, you dropped out the process, man. I'm not fellowshipping with you until you make it right. Tell them that. And guess what? There are people in this church right now that left that wrong way that are here today because they did eventually come back. They stood before the elders, and they were willing to work it out. Why do I think the devil fights us so hard in the church? Because go to those next verses, please. Go to verse 18. Now see how it's attached to the power we have to bind and loose. You see, if the devil can get us fighting each other and being out of order, we're not fighting him. If we are not together in our hearts, in our love, and in our prayers, we are not going to see the presence of God show up because he said he's there with the two or three. He's there when we're binding and loosing in his name. And so sadly, there's so many hurt Christians out there because they've been deceived that there wasn't a solution to their problems. I am not telling you there will be no problems in this church. What I'm saying is we can solve them in Jesus' name. I'm saying test it. Test the word. Give it a shot. Test it and see what it will do for you. I have had to do this with pastors. And I thank God that it worked because some of those guys that I got offended with or they got offended with me when I sat down with them or at the second step we got another pastor involved. I remember I did that one time in New Orleans. I am so glad because that pastor that I was so upset with, we had a misunderstanding. Now he's one of my best friends. One of my best friends. But I was about ready to break him off something. Are you listening? Oh, I was about ready to give him the five-fold ministry straight from the Holy Ghost and fire. And it was just like, I, but I knew we would not solve it. So I called up another man of God and I said, you know so-and-so? He said, yeah, I know so-and-so. I said, man, will you get in a three-way with us? He said, I'll do better than that. I'll come right over to where you guys are. He came and met us. 
me, this brother, and this other man of God, we got it all out. And that is like one of my best friends today. It works, man. God did not leave us here without a solution to the problems. He didn't say, well, here's the Holy Spirit, here's the Word of God, and just figure out the rest as you go. No, he said, this is how you do it so that when you pray, you have power. So when you get together, I'm there in your midst. And so I'm asking you as a church, as humbly as I can, to join with us in keeping this church pure and holy. And if you have questions, to literally study them out and to address them the right way. And I forgot to say this, so let me say this quickly. If you ever just want to go to another church, you don't even need to ask our permission for that. Some people came from churches where you had to do that. You don't have to do that unless you've joined our ministries already. That way we need to be responsible for you. But if you're not even in our ministries yet or in the 201, you're free to go. If you're in the 201 or onward and you're already involved in our ministries, it would be nice to know. Would you like to have us pray for you? Would you like to know what we think about it? Sure, but I'm still telling you, that's not church discipline. If you come and go in peace, there is not an issue. So I don't want anybody to think like, man, no one can leave that church. People leave this church all the time, and we bless them. We love them. God bless you. That church down the road is great for you. Amen. What this talk was about, and I just want to be clear on this, what this talk is, we go back to verse 15, when there is sin involved. Does everybody see the word there, sin? That's what I'm talking about. And I know other churches have abused that and have called you leaving sin and they don't let you leave and all that. That's not what we're talking. We're talking about literal things that we've already read in 1 Corinthians 5, fornication, uh, adultery, gossip, idolatry, slander, etc. We're talking about those lines. And can I just give you from the famous Southern rapper the, the, the best words I can give you on this? Don't start no stuff won't be no stuff. Can we stand up and give it up for Jesus? Come on.